Welcome to the Binge Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, David Rocha, and joining me as always, fresh from London, is Romeo Mora. Romeo, how's London? It's a bit of an adjustment. Moved overseas for a new job. It was great. Well, we bring up London today because we're going to be talking about Catastrophe. Catastrophe is a British television sitcom that ran from 2015 to 2019 on the United Kingdom's Channel 4. It is created, written, and stars Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney, who portray single people who become a couple after she unexpectedly becomes pregnant following a fling while he is visiting London on a business trip. Carrie Fisher, Ashley Jensen, Mark Bonner, and Daniel LePayne play supporting characters in the series. Joining us to talk about Catastrophe is nobody. I'm going to be sliding over to the guest seat. Romeo is going to be taking over the hosting duties. With all that being said, Romeo, take over. What inspired you to watch the show, but yeah, importantly, to discuss the show today? I wanted to do the show because we needed a new episode. I wanted to keep the summer content going. I find this to be one of the more funny shows about marriage that I've seen on television, maybe ever, because it has more of a authentic representation of what marriage life is like, even though I don't have kids yet, what being a parent is also like and the stresses that come with combining all of those things in a pot and the balancing act of it all. It's just insane. So I thought the show did a really great job portraying that. And so doing the show, I thought was really important because I'm at a time in my life where this show is starting to grow more and more relevant for me. And rewatching the series, I thought to myself, wow, I get it even more than I did before. So if I rewatch the series again a year from now, I'll probably be saying this again, like, wow, this is even more relevant to me ever before. And I look forward to that experience again when I do rewatch the series because I very much plan to. What inspired me to start watching it was because I was on Amazon Prime and I was thinking, All right, you know, I, w- I want to try something new. And I came across Catastrophe and I see Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan, even though I didn't know who either of them were at the time. I thought I would check it out. And I read the synopsis. I thought this sounds interesting. Watched the trailer. It made me laugh. And I thought, well, this is only six episodes. So I might as well give it a watch and see if this is good. And I enjoyed myself. It was a very easy watch. It was kind of cool because it's a British show that Amazon Prime brought over, but it still kind of feels like it's your own little secret because at the time, Amazon Prime was still sort of building its content a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, this is 2015, even though that was only six years ago. Amazon Prime was still more focused on get Amazon Prime so that you can get two day shipping. Oh, yeah. And we have video content, too. There are probably people out there who don't even realize they have Prime video. (laughs) even though they have Amazon Prime. I found it to be like this hidden gem of a show for an American like me, starring an American with an Irish person living in London. I wouldn't say it spoke to me, but it certainly checked a lot of boxes that would leave me intrigued to watch the series. It seems on brand because you like those darker comedies, but it wasn't as dark as I expected it to be. Like I was pleasantly surprised just how kind of light it was and relatable. Someone who isn't married or um, have children. There are a lot of those similar situations throughout the series. I'm like, either I personally relate to something or I know someone who went through that. I was intrigued too. Also with the inclusion of Rob Delaney. And Twitter I think superstar we, Rob Delaney. <laughs> right. He's very funny. And I'm like, I can get down with this show. And I think for me, like that was my hook was like, okay, I know who Rob Delaney was. I'm embarrassed to say like, I've known of Sharon 
Ironhorn's work. I've watched many shows that she's written and had some type of involvement with. For me, it was Divorce. She's been in Bob's Burger. She's been in Criminal UK. She's been in a lot of few things. Maybe people would be surprised to learn this. She's older than she looks. She's only 51 years old, sure, but she looks younger. Like She does. Um, so you think like, oh, look at this young up-and-comer. It's like, no, she's been in the business for a long time. <laughs> and she's got some pretty notable credits to her name, yeah. Catastrophe was kind of like the thing that kind of I slept on maybe way too long. You said you mentioned that you saw this randomly on Amazon Prime. So when you watched the first episode, what got you interested? What said, hey, I need to watch more of this? Well, if you're going to have a comedy with two leads who are supposed to, if you even want to call it falling in love <laughs> in mm. this particular show, I am surprised that these two had as good as chemistry as they did. So Rob Delaney, he started out as a comedian. He'll even say that he wasn't much of a writer until he actually started working with Sharon Horgan. Rob Delaney's acting experience was pretty minimal before Catastrophe started. So when you're creating, writing, and producing a show together and also being the lead actors in, that's a heavy burden to carry. And so to expect them to have as good as chemistry as they do mm -hmm. is just great. I love that opening bar scene when they meet each other because it just shows that they have mm -hmm. this natural back and forth and you kind of get how they would hook up to begin with, at least for one night, and then what it turned into one whole week, 25 times two condoms. <laughs> right. I love when she breaks the news to him that she's pregnant. He's on a date back in the United States and she's explaining to him that she's pregnant and he's like, how could this happen? And she's like, well, we had sex 25 times in one week and you only used a condom maybe twice in that time. And he's, he's just like, why would you let me do that? <laughs> Shows like this with a similar premise like this feature characters that are in their 20s. Their 20s, yeah. Yeah. And in this one, it's like, no, Sharon Morris, as the character is named, is 41, I believe, when the show yes. starts. And Rob Norris he's 38 years old. So they're grown adults. It's just one of those things where it's like, you can't just have an abortion. This is like a once in a lifetime type of thing. Like if you don't have this kid now, you're probably never going to have a kid really, honestly. Especially for like women, it's a really hard decision because I know friends who have gone through um, fertility issues and yeah. how hard it is, especially when they're older because the odds get slimmer as you get older, unfortunately. I love the honesty of that conversation. And I will say about the pilot, there was a sense of believability. It wasn't romantic at all. It was just two adults literally just screwing their brains out for the first part of it. It was messy. It was realistic. How Rob throws the plate of pizza against the wall. <laughs> That's on his bed. You don't have time to think, man. You just got to move everything. You got to get everything out of the way and keep the momentum going, you know? No time to be like, oh, give me a minute. I need to gently place this plate onto the table. Like, no, you got to just throw it out of and, the way. And the adult in me is like, you got to pay for the plate. The way I see it is, this is a business trip. The business will pay for it. <laughs> but aside from that, it's the honesty of the conversations in that pilot, which I thought were really interesting. Like, he goes back to London. He goes to 
a doctor's appointment with her. She finds out that they need to watch her pregnancy a little closely because mm-hmm. she has pre-cancer. <laughs> and she like freaks out. They said cancer several times. <laughs> yeah. But it's pre-cancer. Cancer, she said it again. It's not She's, cancer. Yeah. <laughs> she said it again, but it's pre-cancer. It's not really cancer. That was really good stuff. And then at towards the end of the episode, Rob is just, he straight up tells her, he's like, look, my dad wasn't there for me when I was a kid. He left. If you think that I'm just going to like not be in this kid's life, well, you're fucking wrong. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to be in this kid's life one way or another. It was just kind of nice to see that. I hate using this term because it's so cheesy, but like someone stepping up to the plate, mm-hmm. seeing the situation presented to himself and just being like, I'm going to completely change my life because I'm going to be a father. And it's not just like, oh, I'm just going to move to somewhere else in the United States. No, I have to move to an entirely different country, a place where I have one friend that I know of and I wouldn't even really call him a close friend. Like his business isn't even there. He has to convince his business to open up a location there in London. Yeah, so he has to completely alter his life and that's just kind of like, so you just know that there's going to be some comedic element to that because of the whole like, I guess you could say fish out of water element Mm -hmm. of an American living in England in Mm -hmm. a UK show. That sounds interesting. Like I've watched enough British shows where you just don't come across that. You rarely come across American actors in British shows, period. So yeah, yeah, that that also made me really excited. Like I can only think of one at the top of my head. It's a little bit of a rarity. Would you say like the pilot was like the point where you said like you weren't in it for the entire series run? Was there something else that happened that made you decide you're in it for the long haul? I was going to keep watching. And when I got to season two, episode one, when I learned that they actually did a little bit of a time jump, that's when I was in it for the long haul, because that was telling me that they were willing to make adjustments to their storytelling because the way that Delaney and Horgan wrote, they kind of knew how they wanted to map out the first two seasons. They pulled a lot from their own personal lives to be used on the show. So I thought like they're writing what they know. And that's good. I like it when writers write what they know. We're both married. We both have multiple kids and we know what this experience is like and this is what we're going to write about. So that that made me excited. And not only that, they were incorporating Carrie Fisher a little more, who was just like sprinkled in in season one. And in season two, she gets a little more FaceTime. And in season three, she gets even more FaceTime until she tragically passed away. So she wasn't going to be able to be in season four because it was just the two of them writing. They knew what was working and they knew what would work. I think this works with just the two of them because the each season is just so short that if they had more episodes, I think the wear and tear, because I think it's one thing to write every single episode of a series, but also star and in produce. an episode. Right. Consistently, I think they've had the same director, um, Ben Taylor, until the fourth season when they had Jim uh, um, Henlon. And I think it's one of the brilliance of, of this series, because there's a quality control that it just flows well. It flows well in the sense that they're nice, tight stories. Each season has a particular theme. The moments when Carrie Fisher appears throughout a whole entire episode and season two, episode one, it yeah. was like the welcome home because it wasn't really wasn't a baby shower sense. Well, they were all there. And then Sharon's dad calls her Bridget. <laughs> And then Carrie Fisher's without missing a beat goes, who the fuck is Bridget? Yeah. (laughs) And then the honest conversation about Sharon not being able to bond with her Mm -hmm. baby. 
And the fact that Rob sort of saying, hey, could this be postpartum? And that honest conversation about it. I thought that was refreshing to see. Rob brings up, like, as a joke, like, you're not going to kill the kid, right? She's like, no. I guess you could say they had to pick and choose which illnesses and diseases to, to make jokes out of. Because there's quite a few things <laughs> that, that they like to have fun with. So let's talk um, a little bit about the main characters. Rob's kind of funny because here's this American who is living in England. He's tall. He's kind of big. Sharon even suggests that he tries to become a big and tall model. <laughs> right. In that pilot, he actually learned right away that he doesn't drink. He actually really downplays his past history issues with alcohol to the point where later on in the series, he actually restarts that alcoholism when he gets a little depressed from not being able to find a job and just having to deal with Sharon at home. It was just kind of like this nice representation of how marriage and having a family can just kind of take its toll and wear you down a little bit because he started out working at a agency. And then when he had basically got fired by trying to work out of London, he has to get a new job and he starts working at Bray Band. And basically his job is to clean up the messes that this pharmaceutical company <laughs> makes uh-huh. off of their products. And he's really good at it. And he makes a lot of money out of it. The problem is, it's such a soul sucking job. It takes so much out of it. He absolutely hates working there. But the reason he stays there is because he has a wife and two kids to support. I've seen that in people. I know. I've seen that in, you know, acquaintances or people that you knew in college who come out of college and go working at these workplaces that you're just kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound like that great of a job, you know, or or in terms of like, yeah, they're making good living at all. But you can just imagine that that sort of job is just kind of taking a lot out of them. I mean, some people just find themselves in situations where they're in it because they have a family to support. That's what happened with Rob here. He doesn't have the dream job. He's never going to have the dream job, really. Well, I shouldn't say never, because at the end of the series, is a possibility that at least he has uh-huh. the good job, the job that can make him feel good about himself going to work uh-huh. every day. You know, some people get there, but some people don't. Sometimes people just stay doing the same thing for 30 years because they got to support the family. And that takes its toll. And that can lead to things like alcoholism or depression. Uh-huh. Yeah, just these self-destructive qualities that can ruin a marriage or that can make you not be a more capable father because you're just so worn down. It was so it was nice to see that the show didn't want to shy away from that. It wasn't just more like, ha ha, he works at a shady company. No, it's more like there's humor that he works at a shady company. But the truth is such a thing is taking such a toll on him that he becomes a victim to it pretty much eventually. And and true, like his background, I can't really relate to his background. I never had an alcoholic problem. Mm-hmm. I never, my father didn't walk out on me when I was a kid. Still, I mean, there's just the other aspects to it from where the show starts to where it goes. I can kind of relate to it in a sense, even though I've worked those jobs where it's like you you hate every second of it and you just kind of have to power through it because you have people to support and then eventually you need to work your way towards something you actually like which is something that eventually happened to me so now that i'm in that spot now comes the kids fortunately i was able to set myself up in a way to prevent all of the things that rob goes through but another reason why this show i think is so relatable is because what happens to rob is what happens to so many americans especially young americans cautionary tale of just settling for the 
the job just to support the kids. Sometimes it's just not, I shouldn't say not worth it because, you know, you want to support the kids, but just be careful with, with your job selection. Like if you're getting depressed from your job, then you have to reconsider that job. I mean, there's just no way around it. No matter how much it pays, no matter how much you need to do it to support the family, your family can't love someone who's worn down and depressed and sad or gets angry or hostile because of the job. It's not worth it. You need to be happy. That's the end result of it all. And I think Americans forget how important it is to be happy. You know, they just think that they got to work. Which I don't think it is like such an American problem. When he's like explaining to it and Sharon's like, suck it up. I've had those conversations with people. When I was at my previous job, I won't mention which one it was, I had a conversation with friends and it's like, well, that's management. Take his learning experience. And I'm just like sitting there hearing the advice and I'm like, but when they have no respect for you, it's like, how am I taking this advice seriously? Because I'm miserable in this position. For me, it was a dead-end job. A dead-end job and I should have left left maybe a year after I took the position. And I kind of relate to Rob in that sense because it does take a toll on you. Rob at Brayband is the whole thing is just a bad work experience. I mean, know? it's toxic where there is politics, there's gossip, like a private issue is publicly well known. Everyone and in the office knows about it pretty much. It pretty yeah. much. And it's hard to walk into a place when everyone is whispering about you. It's not just like a bad feeling, like you kind of internalize it and you just lower your self-worth to the point where yeah and there's where his depression kicks in and that's where his alcoholism kicks in i mean he goes on a bender after he finds out that everyone knows about what supposedly happened in that private meeting yes he wasn't teaching a class in montreal his face because he obviously that was the first tip of him hearing of it mm -hmm. he was just like what <laughs> And so with Rob's relationship with Sharon, I love how open they are in some of their discussions when they talk about sex or when they talk about the pregnancy or when they talk about life and death. They're very open about it. It's hard for couples to be that open and that honest. And it's also kind of cool to see Rob defend Sharon in some instances. There's one particular scene. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, Romeo. It might not have been on the list of episodes that you watched, but Sharon wants to make friends with a mom who she once knew at like where moms meet up and hang out and she doesn't really get along with any of the moms but she got along with this one mom and then that mom stopped showing up because that mom went back to work Sharon still wanted to hang out with her and so she was like really pushy about hanging out and they hung out a couple times and ultimately that mom didn't want to hang out with Sharon anymore because she just thought she was too needy and pushy and blah 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 so they're at the movie theater waiting in line Sharon sees her with her husband in line at the movies Rob walks over to to her and tells her off that saying, you know, Sharon's a great mom and she's a great person. She's very funny. She's really smart. After we watch this movie, she's going to have to explain it to me. <laughs> he takes a couple jabs at her and, and he asks them what movie they're going to see. And when they say the name, he explains the whole plot in the movie just to spoil their night. <laughs> just kind of badass. And he walks back to her. And what do they do? You know, they start holding hands because it's just like, yeah, man, that's badass. You stood up for your wife. You didn't have to, but you did it. Mm -hmm. And it must have felt really good in the moment. And, you know, it made her feel good and loved. That's awesome feeling even though throughout the series you see moments where you think like the relationship is on the rocks in the end like rob and sharon especially rob 
still fight for their relationship, still puts up with all of the BS, still like wants to be there for her and the kids. It's always supportive, sometimes begrudgingly of all of her decisions. You have to pick up on those clues because at the end of the series, they want to leave you with this almost ambiguous ending if this relationship is really going to continue type of thing. But I felt very hopeful. I, I thought it was interesting that Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan wrote it in a way that was meant to make it feel a little bit ambiguous about the relationship because I interpreted it as, well, everything you've been showing me in the last four seasons tells me that you can get through this, that you can make this big move to Mm -hmm. Boston and continue your lives in that way. If he's happy, I think she's going to be happy and the kids are going to be happy and they're going to they're going to live happily ever after is pretty much the end. The conclusion that I have of it, even though another kid is coming, (laughs) you know, so I I thought it was very hopeful of their relationship. He's surprisingly a good character with some decent depth. I think it's the most realistic. It isn't like overly dramatic and say other shows about couples going through rough patches. The ones that come to mind are like, this is us and a million little things. I mean, these are realistic things that happen and it doesn't mean that, oh, they're separating. Like few separation, they hit some patches, but they're able to actually work through them. I think like most married couples do because at times it seems like at least the idea of marriage from Hollywood or or the BBC in this case, or actually Channel 4, because Channel 4 is different. Marriage is like this super fun thing that people just do and they stay together and their problems get solved in 30 minutes. It's never really hard and kids are always fun. Here you see how hard it is. This is probably the most realistic marriages I've seen in media. Marriage is when people say it's a partnership, that is true. You do have to work together on things that you wouldn't think you would have to work together on. And you do get to a certain point where it's kind of like it's not like a stay together for the kids type of thing. No, Mm -hmm. it's just more like, look, I know the kind of person you are. I know how frustrating it can be. I can deal with it. I know you can deal with it. We like being around each other. We still make each other laugh. I mean, sure, we go through some rough patches, but we are able to work through it Mm -hmm. every single time when people freak out over like arguments and other things like that and when people start second guessing and people give up sometimes people just give up too easily do you know how many people have come in like in my line of work because i deal with like legal stuff that not only they got married divorced and now they're getting married again i've heard that like that many times where like they had to explain it yeah we got divorced i got sick of them then i liked i loved them again so we got married again i'm like oh okay great now explain that in this document now because that's the consequences let me tell you something you think once you get the divorce like that's over no that shit still follows you there are documents that the u.s government requires you to fill out that you have to remember all the dates all the times you got married and all your divorce dates so yeah. if you think like you're one and done and you never really think about that asshole again it stays with you and you have someone like me at the other end like no the u.s government requires you to fill out all these documents mm-hmm. and i need all that information yeah the other truth of the matter is it's like sex plays a big issue too. They have a lot of sex as we see throughout the series. We see a lot of faces of Rob that <laughs> might haunt some people's dreams. <laughs> they do. But there's an honest discussion about it where it was kind of like or like Rob even says like if you ask me if I want to have sex right now I'd probably be mad at you because I'm tired. <laughs> you know, you sometimes you get to a certain point of the night where one is trying to seduce you and you're just oh, I'm tired man like really right now now you want to do this you didn't want to do this like three hours ago two hours ago even one hour ago that happens and that happens in real life or the other thing of like Rob asked Sharon if she wants to have sex and she says uh, I had a big dinner no thanks <laughs> it's just kind of like uh, yeah that can 
also happen. People, when you go out on romantic dates, be very considerate of what you have to eat because some foods are going to be sitting very heavy in your stomach. And guess what you don't want to do later in that night? This reminds me of someone I knew. And we were talking with all the other folks at the shop. And she's like, yeah, I came home one night and I was really into it and he wasn't. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to fucking do it. Wait, so he just laid there while you did all the freaking work? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, we have this agreement. When he's into it, like he gets his and I'm getting mine when I need it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking, is this spousal rape? I wasn't sure. Like, I swear, theater and a hair salon, you hear the craziest shit. That's funny. And to the show's credit, Rob or Sharon never do anything that's out of line to each other. You know, they, no. they tend to ask each other. And like, there's even one scene where they're like spooning or whatever. I think it was like the morning or something. And I think Rob might have asked if Sharon wanted to have sex. And she said, no. I and mean, he might have asked her. Well, he, I think he said, um, can I play with your boobs or something? And she said, yeah, knock yourself out. You know, and it's just like so she's like basically sleeping and he's going to sort of play with her boobs but it's just kind of funny because it's like no he didn't just go ahead and do it he asked her permission if he could do it it's just funny how considerate they are to each other's needs like they actually ask each other before doing anything you know instead of just jumping right into things and thinking that it's okay i don't know if that was truly intentional it's nice to see that in a comedy you shouldn't just do things you should ask permission to do things even if it's your husband or wife in that sense of discussion about sex between married couples really progressive for its time because I think now after Me Too it opened sort of like this honest discussion about what is expected in relationships. Rob and Sharon were ahead of the curve. Yeah, I think they sort of modeled how to talk about those subjects in a somewhat healthy way. Because when Rob gets angry, I mean, when they argue, it can get he, ugly, the oh, things yeah. he says. He, like he goes for the jugular. He didn't see much of that growing up. He didn't know how to model those conversations because by the time he was born, his well, mom, his Mia, she kicked him out for good reason. We should talk about his alcoholism. The handling of everyone's sort of like reaction to it, I thought was interesting. Like he has this honest moment with his mom played by Carrie Fisher, where he says, mom, I have a problem and I don't know how to help myself. And she smacks him and she yells at him, says, how dare you become like your father? And then proceeds to tell him the story about why his father really laughed is because he hit her. And it's this thing where he goes, why didn't you ever tell me? And she goes, why would I tell my son why I had to kick your father out? But again, it's one of those things where if you were at the right age, there are appropriate time you can sort of tell folks oh yeah your children certain aspects had she disclosed that his father was an alcoholic at a young age it'd be like hey you might not develop a problem but you could so but maybe could, yeah. watch out for that as you get older so we can talk a little bit about sharon we've sort of been already talking about her but we can touch right. on some more about her so think about sharon is we first meet her as a school teacher and she remains a school teacher but but we find out that she was maybe going to school for a little longer, maybe to get her doctorate, but she kind of stopped doing that. And yeah, she has sibling rivalry with Fergal. It's one of those sibling rivalries. It's sort of similar to me and my sister in the sense that Fergal is more of like, he portrays himself as like the better kid, I guess you could say. But really, oh, he's God. not the better kid. No. <laughs> no. 
from the outside, that's sort of similar to the dynamic between me and my sister, where it seems like my parents like me more. But really, I'm like the lesser between the two of us. It's just my parents take care of me a little more because they know I'm a little more hopeless than my sister. <laughs> so not to say I need my parents help. I take care of myself just fine. I'm just saying that there are certain things that my parents will do for me or have done for me as like a favor or like out of just kindness of being parents that they didn't mm. necessarily do for my sister and my sister interprets it as they like me more than her type of thing and that's mm-hmm. sort of like the same thing between Fergal and Sharon and it's really funny even though the two of them sort of have like this weird rivalry they're also like support each other in the way where it's like they don't really want to leave all the responsibility of taking care of their parents to one of them it sort of needs to be like this shared partnership or they'll like update information about their parents to each other really from what I can see they have a very strong relationship but yeah there is that underlying like Sharon does have this little bit of a jealousy thing about Mm -hmm. it like when her father is on his last days and she's going through this drawer of all this stuff and she finds a letter that her father wrote for Fergal and she's like where the hell's my letter (laughs) like she couldn't find a letter for herself and she was so mad about it and yeah so it just kind of feeds into the whole idea of that they always liked Fergal a lot more than her which was never true you know it's just looked that way another thing that I thought was interesting that I learned through the show is that England's maternity leave is 26 weeks with the option of 52 weeks oh my god I did not know that before this show think about how like she goes to the school with her new baby and they ask her oh how old is she it's like oh she's four months it's like oh cool and then Sharon's like oh I was thinking about coming back to work and they're like how old is the baby still four months <laughs> she's just like don't you think it's a little soon and I'm thinking like four months is a little soon America so is so behind <laughs> you know you know what I thought is when he got into that car accident I'm thinking oh my god there goes their futures <laughs> that would put a family like theirs in the hole but yeah just seeing that and just hearing that just made me think like look man I get it it doesn't have to be 52 weeks but maybe you should give a mom 26 weeks I think just too much emphasis is, is put on going back to work I just don't think it's worth it's it it's filthy capitalism it's it, no it is it's filthy capitalism I 100% agree with you on that but I totally understand at the same time Sharon's perspective of being like man it's been four months my whole life has been kids I want to just go back to work man <laughs> which is kind of ironic because her job is school which is being surrounded by kids <laughs> and her pitching her coming back was amazing <laughs> and but also going back to the whole Rob's uh, DUI um, how it could have ruined them I love the opening court scene in season four how he's like telling the judge why he's been going through such a rough patch and for the judge to go easy on him it's <laughs> just like my wife touched a young boy <laughs> he's in college but still young <laughs> I just love that she did not prepare him for the court system she would have put law and order UK on <laughs> yeah you would think that right Sharon to a degree is very selfish it's true she does ask for a lot from Rob how many times did Rob say please let me quit my job he did call her selfish in one of their very heated arguments and he wasn't wrong there she can be very selfish it's true when his mom died what did she do she asked him if they could be sad at the beach I totally understand what she's saying though I just flew from England to Boston and I want to go to the beach (laughs) I have two kids who want to go to the beach (laughs) I love yeah which to be fair his sister kind of ambushed him with the news. That's how it was presented. But realistically, how is she going to contact them while they're on the flight? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was like, no way like, around it. The way we got presented, like Sharon's point of view, like your fun trip to the United States got hijacked. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing Mia's did. That was beautiful. Like that that scene where they're both crying in the car and Sharon's she's like trying to consult them, but she didn't want it was great. That made me laugh. And you do wonder, like, what is she gonna do in the United States? But at the same time, it's like a lot of factors come into play, of course. And I guess the way that I see it from Sharon's point of view, it's like she doesn't have to take care of anybody. Everybody's doing okay. Sure, Fergal is kind of a dimwit, but he takes care of himself fine. She thinks that her mom is going to have problems after her dad dies. But no, her mom moved on fine. She started dating somebody. She liked having Mia around for a little while. And then Mia was like, oh, it's just cold and miserable there. I don't want to live there, <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. But it was kind of cute how like the two of them were practically going to be roommates for a little bit. I mean, I watched that spinoff. She has this thought that like she needs to be around because of her family. But it's like, oh, no, they're doing OK. Like, you don't need to stick around like you're in your 40s. Go live your life with your family, you know. And like Rob said, he's like, it's time for him to go back and his sister's going through a divorce and even though she seems okay he still feels like he kind of needs to be around for her because she doesn't ultimately seem okay as we see with this huge argument that she has with her ex-husband on the phone so he does feel obligated to sort of be around for her because she's not handling the loss of their mother well and and then his father he he's reunited begrudgingly with his father and finds out that he's going to be dying soon he's very yellow (laughs) right And so that also plays a factor. And he sees an opportunity to have a job where he can actually be happy. So I totally am on the side of Rob, where if I was in Sharon's perspective and see all those things and think about how the last four years have been between the two of us, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's go to America. Let's do this at least for a little while and see how it goes. Because it doesn't have to be permanent. They can go back. This balancing act of compromise. They'll have a quainter life in America in the sense that Rob isn't having to constantly negotiate his purpose at a job. Yeah. Like here, someone wants him to work and the pay is much more. And he said it like with what they sell over there, they can buy a much bigger house for the family to grow into. We've been talking a lot about these two. It just goes to show you how dynamic these two characters are for a a comedy about marriage. It really is awesome. But I do think it's time just to run through some of these supporting characters. Who do you want to start with, David? I guess we can talk about Fran real quick because there's some wild stuff that happens with Fran. (laughs) Oh, dear God, Fran. And my favorite part, my favorite thing she's ever said when Sharon's complaining, she goes, hold on. My life coach is here. I'll talk to you later. And she hangs up on her and turns on Loose Woman, which is basically the UK's version of The View and makes it all about herself after the funeral of uh, Sharon's father. She invests a lot of time in her son because her son is an actor. He's been in a Woody Allen film. He's been in a movie with Morgan Freeman. He passed up a movie to be in with Vin Diesel to be on stage. What you learn in season four is like she's a smothering mother. Her kid just wants her to be her mom and not her manager. And partly of paying all that attention to the kid put a real strain on her marriage with Chris. And oh man, Chris is so freaking funny. I love Mark Bonner in this role. I love how he's always wearing that leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, no matter what time or gay. He's in that jacket. And I love how he even had a leather jacket on at Sharon's dad's funeral. And Fran called him a uh, motorcycle assassin. <laughs> 
And I'm like, but then how would you know it's him if he doesn't wear the leather jacket? But yeah, he's one of my favorites on the show. And I love how um, he always has a a vape. He even smokes it when he's at the gym. (laughs) Just like, what? He's into some like weird kinky sex things, which I applaud him for exploring when he encountered his separation with his wife. Because if you're going to be separated, that is the time to like get all of that weird stuff out of your system and then realize, oh, wait, I actually want to be with my wife, which is exactly what happened in the series uh he missed being with her and they did get back together and that was the conclusion of both of their stories and one more supporting character that we have to touch on is dave who is the absolute wild card of the default best friend for rob (laughs) another uh actor who i thought was american but i came to learn is actually australian who is living and working out of england very funny character has done pretty much every drug on the planet happens to be the same age as chris (laughs) (laughs) Which is a surprise because Chris actually does look a little older, even though Dave is the one who's done the copious amount of drugs. You think that would age him a lot more, but it's not the case. The guy looks great for his age. He, I think he's actually 50 years old now. And even when Rob is staying at his home, he's still doing the drugs. He's still doing the drinking and he's still doing the partying with hot women or whatever. And it's just kind of like, good Lord, guy, get it together. I love how (laughs) he had on a loop Mortal Kombat. (laughs) He's like trying to turn off a both the xbox controller and the t i'm like what that's where the noise is coming from and i'm just like what you've been staring at the tv like um i think my favorite two lines were when he went to chris and he goes how the hell have you not done heroin he's so like stunned and hung up on it yeah he's even like wants to like plan to do heroin with him you know it's just it's so funny that guy and then the other one is yeah i figured out i'm gonna take all the drugs and i'll make it safe for you and your kids there's a place to bring your kids and your drugs i mean dads and your drug come back i'll make key lime pie key lime pie time you come back i'm like jesus christ he's very lonely and he uses all of these he does all these things to like kind of make up for that loneliness and then what ends up happening is he does end up having a kid and he is like so overly protective about the kid he gets new zealand passports he's in his basement at the farm that he bought for his family (laughs) like looking up all this information he's like in on the dark web and he's like learning all this information about the water system and everything and he just gets ultra paranoid and he's basically turning into a survivalist and then eventually his girlfriend leads him with the kid and I think that's how their story concluded if I'm not mistaken which is kind of a weird way to end his story because you're kind of like well what happened? What happened to Dave? Is he alone? Is that it for him? Is he just going to be lonely? Is he going to go back to doing drugs? What's the conclusion to his story? So I am a little let down that they didn't wrap up his story a little more clearly. Outside of the two he's definitely my favorite character on the show. Anytime he comes in you don't really know what's going to happen you don't really know what he's going to say, but you know he's going to offend someone. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. And so when you're going now about the moments where I started to have my doubts, mm-hmm. I don't really have any. It mm-hmm. happens so fast that you can breeze by through it pretty quick without ever like questioning it too much. Again, it's a very funny show. There's no plot line that I thought was like too unreal or anything like that. It all felt pretty grounded for me. So I never had any moments where I started to have my doubts. But now you're talking about with Sharon gaslighting Rob yeah. about the whole situation. Yeah, go for it. She had control of that here. And people point out, well, Rob kind of hate his alcoholism. Like that's a disease and it's one of those things where there is fear and shame about where her cheating now if it were sex addiction I could understand withholding that information according to Kate she got all the dicks back home (laughs) 
right? That was just like bad behavior. For the most part, whenever one of them sort of messes up, they come out right and say, hey, I messed up. And this is the one time where Sharon was like, where's that honesty? After she gave him so much shit about him being sort of like suspended, as I guess, from work for sexual harassment. You kicked him out. And, and then she goes and does this. Even then, when she apologizes, she's like, how long are we going to be okay? He's like, oh, no, maybe until Thanksgiving. What's Thanksgiving? Okay, never mind. I'll look that up. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> it was funny, but at the same time, I'm like, the audacity. You know he talked about Thanksgiving. That means you weren't paying attention. The lesson to be learned in all of that is like, in marriage, it's okay if you have little secrets here and there. That's fine. For example, if you have a chocolate habit or something and you want to hide chocolates from your loved one, that's okay. That's just a little secret. That's totally fine. Getting a little drunk, going on the roof and pulling out some young man's dick okay, we, <laughs> and we, touching we, it. You, don't... you should clarify he's in college age. I said young man. I know, but still, there's a <laughs> connotation there that I feel like I know, I know. we should be careful. I'm, I'm playing with the reoccurring gag from the show. That's why. You you can't keep that, man. You do gotta share it. It's a sucky thing that she did, but, but the worst thing she could do is keep putting it off. It was eating her alive, and Rob knew something was off, and what does he do? He talks to Chris about it. What does Chris tell him? What do you think? And Rob says, like, I think she's hiding something, and Chris says, like, well, if Sharon's not good at holding her feelings, so she'll probably cave and tell you anyway, so just write it out. Either you confront her and have this big argument and it's nothing and you look like the idiot or you just sit on it and let her blow up that way she's the one who is wrong in the situation and she has no reason to like get mad at you over it so that i thought that was actually some pretty good advice moral story is be honest so would you say binge it all or sort of pace yourself in terms of watching the series to be honest you can watch one season per day like it's pretty quick sometimes i'll just watch like three episodes that's about an hour a little over an hour long and either way you're going to finish it pretty fast. Um, it isn't so heavy that you don't lose things when you're going one after the other. This is an easy watch and again, perfectly constructed. And with that, I know one of our questions is, do we have a recommended viewing order to help with the experience if someone doesn't want to watch the entire series? But I think you should just take the time to watch the entire series because uh -huh. it's so short and it's such an easy watch. However, if you want to be weird and cut some episodes out, just skip season one because season two sets itself up pretty nicely where you don't really need everything from season one to continue the watching the series. So that's my only recommendation. You can start from season two if you want. Do you want a reboot or a continuation series? It's tough because I, I do, but I don't know where I want to land. So I guess I should just say I have two options. Either you continue on where they are now and continue from Boston or you wait 10, 15 years from now when they're like older and they can be grandparents and we get to see how their lives are as grandparents with adult children. Like that could be really funny. Those are my two options of what I'd like to see if oh, they wanted to continue the series. Here's okay. what I would like to see is a few years later, they're older parents with teenagers and they have to go back to the UK and uprooting not only their lives, but their kids' lives and the adjustment. I think that would be hilarious to watch. I think that would and, be hilarious too. And of course, Fergal is more successful of the two siblings. That would be great. Like one of his dumb ideas like actually, actually panned paid out. Off. <laughs> In fact... <laughs> The condo thing made money. Now he's oh. like a real estate tycoon and they have to go to him and get a flat for the whole family. Oh, how great and would it be? He becomes if, the like, landlord. Well, what if they go like vacation on that area for a season or something oh, like that? Oh my God. Yes. And it turns out it'd be like the, the fire festival. It's just a shit show. <laughs> 
That'd be great. That would be great. That would be hilarious. It's like half built in resort. Yeah. So there's nothing there. Oh, that'd be good. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. There's your movie. You're welcome, Sharon and Rob. I wrote the story for you. Go ahead and give one last pitch. Who should watch the show? If you're married, whether you're new or 10 years, 20 years marriage, doesn't matter. I think there's a lot of relatability that you will have with this show. If you're a parent, same thing. Even though there's not too much focus on what it's like to be a parent raising a kid, like the kids don't have story arcs of their own or anything like that. But you do get to see what it is like for both of them, what it's like to be a parent and how hard it is and how exhausting it can be and also how funny it can be as well. If you're interested in a show that feels American, but is not in an American setting, this is it, man. I think this is a great blend of what American and British comedy can feel like. If you're a big fan of Rob Delaney, like if you follow him on Twitter, which I strongly recommend. I mean, this guy has been hailed as one of the best people to follow on Twitter. Support him. Watch the show. I don't think you'd regret it. If you like him, you're going to like this show. There's just a lot of qualities to enjoy about the show. I think this is one of the best marriage comedies I've ever seen. I challenge anyone to watch it and tell me I'm wrong. Do you have any other suggestions for shows that are similar that people might enjoy? I was being a little nitpicky about this, so I only came down with two. I think Fleabag is a good one. It's short like Catastrophe and it's British like Catastrophe, but also it likes to talk a lot about sex and make sex jokes like Catastrophe. So I think there's a lot of correlation there. And and you have your female writer creator in Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So there's similarities between her and Sharon Horgan. You know, if you want to support female creators and writers, I think that's a good direction to go right after this series is Fleabag. Yeah, I will say that the connection you have between Fleabag and this series is Jonathan Forbes, who plays Fergal, was in the same class as uh, Matthew Scott, who plays the priest in Fleabag. So there you go. Another one is You're the Worst. I think people would really enjoy that show. It's a very underrated show. I really want to finish it someday. And maybe if I do, we can talk about it for the podcast. Yeah, not enough eyes got on the show. It's going to be, I think, one of those shows that people are going to look back on and be like, why didn't I watch this when this was on the air? I mean, FX has mm-hmm. a few shows like that. And I think You're the Worst is one of the top ones that falls in that category. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We talked about catastrophe. All right, listeners, stay tuned for Final Thoughts and Mailbag. Welcome back. Let's just wrap up what we thought about our discussion with Catastrophe. I'll be the first to say that I thought it went pretty well. I wasn't sure if you would enjoy the show, but it seemed that you actually did enjoy it and not only enjoy it, but see a lot of the things that I was seeing while Mm -hmm. watching the show. So it was kind of good to have that back and forth with you, even though I only gave you about 10 episodes to watch out of 24 total episodes. But I felt confident that those 10 episodes could encapsulate what this show is trying to do and you were able to see that so uh, it made for a worthwhile discussion yeah i mean there were like a few things that i kind of missed out on like we talked about the mom group i will find that episode and i will watch it at some point when i'm not constantly preparing an episode of this podcast it seems like it's every week that i'm like binge watching something so i'm fully prepared but one day i have a worthy list of stuff that i'm gonna revisit and fully enjoy i'm not gonna lie you had me a 
Carrie Fisher. It's just nice seeing her in like one of her final roles as mm-hmm. well. But yeah, again, great discussion. A lot of fun. Glad we were able to put it together. And honestly, I'm not sure how popular this one is going to be in terms of mm-hmm. listenership. I will say I said the same thing about Moral Oral. And that one has some pretty good listenership. That one took me by mm-hmm. surprise. And maybe Catastrophe will take me by surprise too. I don't know. I've done Spider-Man trilogy. I've done Moral Oral. And, and now I've done this. And I also did Dexter. And mm-hmm. if I had to be honest, the Dexter episode, I kind of feel like I let us down on that one because I was trying to really avoid the spoilers. And I think it probably would have been our best interest if I like went really hard at it. But early episodes, you know, we were still trying to work out the kinks. These last three times that I've been able to come in and do it, I've been looking for things that at certain points in my life important and kind of help form who I am or how I look at things. What I'll talk about next, who knows? But I know we've had a couple ideas. It's just a matter of, like you were saying earlier, it's time. Time is against us sometimes. I do all of the editing and I do a lot of planning for these other episodes and it does make it hard for me to be a guest more often than I would like to be. But I'm glad I was able to do it and I'm glad we enjoyed ourselves. So that's it. So moving on, we don't really have anything to fact check. So that's great. Let's go ahead and get to the social media aspects of the thing. If you ever want to reach us, you can always do that at BingeEssentials at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at David Rocha Binge. You can find Romeo at rmora02. You can find me on Twitter at David Rocha Radio and you can find Romeo at rmora1. What would also be very helpful is if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us because it helps with the algorithms, preferably five stars, preferably telling us how great Bench Essentials is. That way more people can find the show. That way we can continue to build our listenership. People listen, but not all of them are reviewing. And if all of them are reviewing, I think that would go a long way in helping the show get a little bit more popular. The Instagram's doing okay. I mean, people like listening to the audiograms. I'm glad I'm putting those together and making that happen. But we'll try to think of more ways to add more to the Instagram to keep it more active and just more content. That's the important thing in the end. So speaking of content, this will be our last episode until the end of September. And what we have planned for the end of September is our block of Halloween episodes. So we have been racking our brains on what episodes that we can do during the Halloween season. And we did manage to get a few together. We've already recorded a few and we still have a few more to go to record. We really think you guys will enjoy yourselves. This was a response to a comment we got back last Halloween season saying, hey, it would be great if we would cover more spooky things during the month of October. Well, we listened. Here it is. <laughs> to that one person we listened. To that one person. <laughs> hey, you know, it goes to show our listeners have influence on what we do. And we're um, like, that's a great idea. Ones we've already recorded that we can definitely tease to you guys because we know those are locked in <laughs> going to get right. released. We have Supernatural, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, The Outsider. And I will be doing Teen Wolf. And as soon as we lock in a few more, we'll have some more surprises too. We're packed. It's going to be extra spooky and the game's scarier as, as we approach the actual Halloween date. There's one in particular that I know is going to be hard for you, Romeo, but it's one of my favorites and I look I know. forward to I'm try- I know. Doing- I haven't gotten there yet because you scared me off of it to begin with. It's intense. <laughs> I can't wait. If everything goes according to plan and we do make this episode happen, I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be something. We will release like a, um, a, little teaser, like a teaser to kind of follow up on everything that we just gave you and to give you new information on the other ones that we plan to record and give the teasers for those as well. So with all that being said, thanks for listening. Catch you guys 
in late September. 